You need to hear this word today. This is your lead pastor, Mike Signorelli, and you just tuned into the V1 Church podcast because you are hungry to learn the scriptures. And I'm gonna take you on an adventure through the word today. Actually, we're talking about how we constantly feel like we don't add up. Chances are coming through the holidays, a global pandemic, you just don't feel like you're enough. Well, guess what? You're in for a divine appointment. Go ahead and listen, and I have a very special message for you on the other side. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Church Today. This is your lead pastor, Mike Signorelli, and I've got a very important word to share with you. Uh, But before we jump into it, get your Bibles ready. Swipe down. Put that do not disturb on. Like, just make up your mind that you're going to invest in yourself right now and allow me to feed you the word today. Why don't you drop a comment? Let me know where you're watching from around the world. I love seeing all the comments every single week. I actually go through our different broadcasts, and you know what's crazy? We had over 150 people watching from Western Europe just weeks ago, which is like 3 a.m. our time. So it's amazing what God's doing with this church as uh, we just try to preach the gospel around the world globally. And I've got a, like a live studio audience with me today. You kind of hear them in the back. Uh, so go ahead and take your Bibles out. We're going to be uh, really taking a deep dive. Now I want to say this, where there is no demand, there is no supply. The best sermon you ever heard is the one you put a demand on. Jesus was the best preacher on the planet, but did you know that he was in Chorazim and no one received a miracle, no one received uh, the truth that he was the savior and therefore nothing happened? Matter of fact, he cursed them to ruins and I'm not gonna do that, but uh, I just think that it's possible to watch a sermon and not put a demand on the word of God for your life. The best sermon you ever heard is the one that you applied. Okay, so make up your mind. I'm going to apply this word to my life because I'm going deep today, but I need you to follow along as we go, okay? So we're gonna be in Romans chapter three. Open your Bibles or you can follow along on the screen to Romans chapter three. We're gonna start with verse nine. Now, I do wanna just tell you full disclosure, this is a very depressing excerpt from scripture. And I wanna show you something uh, in scripture that's very profound, but I need you to go on this journey with me. You know, um, the Jews were, were living under the law and the law was an incredible burden to bear. It was just so many restrictions of what you shouldn't do and so many commands for what you should do. And, and they were living in that context. And then there becomes this big argument over, you know, who's really saved, who's really living for God, who's, and so just listen to this. It's, it's kind of interesting. Verse nine says this, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under sin as it is written. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Let's skip down to verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and that the whole world may be held accountable by God. And then in verse 20, it says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So, just keep your Bible open at that location. So the thing that I need you to understand right off the bat is that 
we are reading from a book and a tradition that was rooted primarily in Judaism. So the Jewish roots of scripture are not something that you can easily dismiss. As a matter of fact, the more you understand Judaism, the more you unlock the secrets of this text. But now in the book of Romans, we have life after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the apostles breaking something down. And for those of you who are following me right now, I need you to understand this is a word for you right now in 2020. So don't jump off this broadcast. Make sure you stay on for the whole duration because there's something profound that God wants you to understand. You know, when we talk about the law, we're really talking about the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And you have these accumulation of books of the Bible where the narrative is such that God has his chosen people, the Jewish people. He's taking them on a journey. He gives them commands. They fail all those commands. They can't live up to the standard. He then rebukes them. They go into rebellion. He gives them more laws. And really over the course of multiple books of the Bible, they just keep messing up and getting more laws. All 613 laws were not given at once. They were given incrementally every time they messed up. 613 laws. For those of you who are listening right now who are parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> there were laws in your home that you didn't communicate until your kids screwed up. And then you're like, I just need to tell you, if you do that again, you're going to die. Um, and so God is trying to parent his children and lovingly providing 613 laws and rules and regulations through the Torah. And they're just failing in every direction. As a matter of fact, it's funny because in Deuteronomy, Moses gives the final verdict. And he basically just keeps, he says, we, we just keep rebelling and then more laws are given, and then you rebel more, then more laws are given. But then he prophetically says something. Moses says, your hearts are hardened, and you're going to need a transformation of heart to fully be able to obey. And then fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus shows up on the scene. And you know, I know we love singing about sloppy, wet kiss gospel, the reckless love of God gospel. And it's almost as if we preach in most churches that Jesus came to eradicate the law. Like I'm just free, life is life. <laughs> I'm just rolling around in green pastures with Jesus, sloppy, wet kissing God. Okay, I know that's disgusting. Um, but these 613 laws were to both abstain from things, but then to also do things. Do you know that 365 of the laws that were given in the Torah were prohibitive? That means for every day of the year, there was one thing that you weren't supposed to do every single day of the year. That's crazy. And I think for as hard as it is for us to wrap our heads around Torah era Judaism, the one that Jesus was born under, because Jesus was actually born under the law, you have laws that regulate your life too. And as we're here at the conclusion of 2020, what we really saw put on display like never before was this idea of never feeling like we can live up to the standards that we've been given by culture. And even though we don't understand every single one of the prohibitions and the things that we should and shouldn't do of Judaism, and you probably haven't memorized all 613 of them, you have diligently memorized all the expectations that are on you as a woman in the 21st century. 
You have diligently memorized all of the prohibitions and things that you should and shouldn't be doing as a 21st century man. And you sort of instinctually and intuitively know that you are failing every single day. Now stick around for the rest of this message because there is good news. I know someone right now is like, hello, darkness, my old friend. (laughs) But I need you to understand something that's central to the gospel is that Jesus was born under the law of Moses and was well acquainted with all 613 rules, regulations, commandments to do and to not do and how he should conduct his life. And that's a very, very very important thing that needs to be reinstalled in the church today, okay? And so let me just read you some scriptures that help you understand this. So Jesus, this is number one for your notes, was born under the law of Moses. And so Galatians chapter four, verses four and five says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under law to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights as sons. The second thing that we need to pay attention to in scripture is that he was actually sinless under the law. And I know that for many of us today, we kind of have given rise to this like rock star, rebellious Christianity. And the idea was that, Je- yeah, Jesus fashioned a whip and he flipped tables over. And you know, we, we almost like we serve rock star Jesus who didn't really play by the rules, but he may not have played by the perversions of the law, but he was actually sinless according to all of the law. And that's a very important distinction because what'll happen is, We are seeing all around the world, pastors, preachers, teachers of all 66 books of the Bible, men and women far more eloquent than your lead pastor who are being crushed under the weight of a gospel that's been misinterpreted. And Jesus wasn't rock star Jesus that didn't obey the law. He was actually sinless according to every single standard of the law of Moses but he refused to bend his knee and bow to the perversions of the law. So what I hope to do in the next 15 minutes is to help you understand what the gospel message really is. Let me read you this. Um, Jesus fulfilled the law. So in John chapter eight, verse 46, it says, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? John chapter eight, verse 46 is Jesus' own red letters in scripture. I, if, if I'm telling you the truth, he says, Why don't you believe me? You cannot find me guilty according to any of Moses' laws, any of the laws of the Torah. Then Jesus fulfills the law. So Jesus, as the Messiah, he's the promised Messiah, the one that was going to come and actually reform and transform the human heart, shows up on the scene and he testifies that it is possible. In Matthew chapter five, verse 17, and if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. As a matter of fact, if you uh, are at a watch party or watching this on your television, you can go into the, um, our mobile app, the V1 Church mobile app, and all these notes are actually there for you as well. And so in Matthew chapter five, verse 17, matter of fact, somebody left a comment the other day and said, I love when the scriptures come up on the scene because I can screenshot my screen and they keep them in that way. But in Matthew chapter five, verse 17, it says, do not think that I came to destroy the laws of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but I came to fulfill. Now this changes it. 
Because I think oftentimes we think, well, Jesus is going to help me do away with all the frivolous activities of Judaism, all the things that just seem like near impossible for any human being ever in any generation to fulfill. But what actually happened was that Jesus was demonstrating for us that we can be in full and complete surrender to God and that surrender produces power and that power produces fruit and that fruit literally becomes eaten by the nations. And what we need is the body of Christ to begin to produce fruit like never before. We cannot be fruitless people. We cannot people be people who are robbed of our confidence. And, and that's the thing I wanna talk about. Because see, in our society today, and you have people right now who are watching from around the world, we are burdened with the task of creating ourselves. This has not been so in any other generation. You simply inherited the trade of your family. As a matter of fact, most family names actually are an indicator of the trade of your particular lineage. And so in most societies, our status is fixed, not fluid. Matter of fact, in India, and we have many people who watch these broadcasts from all around the world, and we have a significant group of people in India, you have the caste system as a result of Hinduism, and it's very difficult to move up and down within their society because of religious restrictions. And so we have people watching from all around the world right now, but here in the United States, we have been told we could be whatever we want to be. And instead of that being liberating, it's been a burden. Like, I've got to figure out what to do with my life. What? I don't even know what I want to eat for breakfast. I feel guilty about the sugary cereal I ate. And you want me to make a choice about how I lead my own life and my family? And ah, it's like we are, we are drowning under the ocean of indecision because we hate every decision we do make. And in the same way, Jesus was living and moving and breathing and walking in a society that had 613. And the, even that number was debatable because it was like, well, how do you do it? How do you fulfill it? And then guess what happens? Fast forward, Jesus dies on the cross. Three days later, he's resurrected. And you know what we do with his resurrection power? Make more rules, make more restrictions make more legalistic uh, behaviors that govern our churches. And now we have a Christianity where we say, your skirt's not long enough. You shouldn't wear makeup. You're not dressed up enough. You don't know enough of the scriptures. We've got people who have made this into this intellectual thing as if God's power is dependent on your brain power. It's just like, and so even modern day Christianity has just emulated the filthy conditions of our heart that either do one of two things. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The law will either cause you to become arrogant or it will cause you to become insecure. The law will, and, it, and most of the time it actually produces both in the same person. Because when you sin differently than someone else, well, you say, well, hey man, my sin's uh, pornography. At least it's not uh, a homosexuality. And it produces an arrogance. And then, it, then on the other side, it produces um, an insecurity where you say, well, I know that God gave me a gift to lead worship, but I know how sinful I am. And I, I guess I just really can't do it this time. And, and so living under the law, whether it's the law of Moses or the laws and the rules and the regulations of our own creation and culture have produced powerless, insecure, and arrogant Christians in this generation. 
And often, how many times, and I'm just being really real, y'all can drop me a comment right now and just think, thank you for being real, Pastor Mike. How many times do we find that the sin that some pastors preach against the most ends up being the one that they were doing closeted the whole time? How many times, y'all? Am I being real? The, one, the, the sin that they call out from the stage and they fearlessly talk about God's standard and his heart's grieved by that sin be, it becomes the very one that they get discovered doing in their own closeted, private life. And so there's something wrong. There's something distorted. Jesus came not to destroy the law, but to actually fulfill it. Come on, there's more. I'm not done yet. There's hope in this message. Please hear me. Jesus kept the law. Jesus is the only person ever. There's 7 billion people plus on planet earth right now. And there have been countless billions more before us. And none of them have ever been able to match the standard of God except for Jesus. He did everything that was required by law, never once breaking any of the commandments. Because Jesus was sinless, hear me, he was able to meet the requirements of the law to be a perfect replacement and a perfect sacrifice for our own sin. His death redeemed humanity from the curse of the law. Galatians chapter three, verse 13 says, Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so the gospel message in and of itself is even on your best day, you're not good enough. And I want to talk about confidence because see, this is like a breakthrough moment in the life of many believers. Do you know why so many pastors hide their closeted sin? Because they just believe deep down inside, if I can just try harder, I can get victory over that sin. They, and, and, and I can't tell my mentors, I can't tell the pastors above me because I just need to buy a little bit more time. And in that time, I'll try harder and then I'll get victory over it. And that sin will be gone out of my life before I ever have to confess it to anybody. That's the Christianity that we live in. And that's why the church globally is decreasing in numbers every single year. Because people in the world are just liberated by the thought of like, hey man, the real party's probably in hell because everybody that's fun's gonna be there. And all those other ones living under restriction. Am I being too real today? And then, the, and then you've got Christians who are saying, well, I'm just strong enough to live under the guilt of my own sin. <laughs> but nobody's free. The pastors certainly aren't free. Come on, they're quick to call your sin out, but they're still living under the weight of feeling like their own efforts can solve their sins. And they just think, well, my, my efforts got me to the point where I'm the biggest super Christian of them all. I mean, isn't that what we've made pastors into, super Christians? Like Pastor Mike surely has to be more holy than I am. And then what happens is it's because there's a perversion of the gospel. The curse of the law was removed by Jesus' death. The curse that the law had over humanity is now removed, but we replace it. And the death of Christ meant that those who were previously slaves under the law could actually become the children of God and then heirs to his promises. And then that's why in the book of Romans, it's literally saying, hey, are us Jews any better? <laughs> Because we're going to open this thing up to the whole world. And people who are not born a Jew like Jesus are going to be able to receive the covenant of the cross and then come into the spiritual family. And are we any better because we're Jews? Actually, it, no, we're not. And God sent forth his son, Jesus, to redeem those who were under the law 
that we might receive this adoption as sons or daughters. And because you are these sons, you are these daughters, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts that cries out, Abba. So even when you cry out, Father, it's still not even you crying those words. It's his own spirit releasing those words from within you. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are an heir of God through Christ, which is Galatians chapter four, verses four through seven. Why do I say this? Christ has taken away the bondage of the law for the believer and given freedom in place of that slavery. But I'm just here to tell you that there has been more slavery mentally, emotionally, and physically actually placed on the people of God in 2020 than I've ever seen in the last 15 to 20 years that I've been in ministry. And I wanna tell you about how and why I think that that happened, okay? Jesus literally rejected the unbiblical traditions of the scribes and the Pharisees. And I'm just here to tell you guys, there is such a Pharisaical finger pointing spirit in the world today. And call out culture, cancel culture. It's almost like people are saying, if I can get your focus on their sin, you'll forget mine. <laughs> If I can get you paying attention to how they failed, maybe it'll make me feel better about my own failure. And what happens is by putting other people in bondage with our own words, we both remain in bondage the entire time. And the gospel message is that you can become an expert in the traditions of man. You can become an expert in what you think church should be. You know, often the people who are the best at doing church are the least effective at actually even bringing people to church. You know, the people who end up knowing this book the most are the ones who teach and evangelize this book the least. It's like you don't even feel the imprint of them in your neighborhood. And it says, love thy neighbor, but we don't even know our neighbor. And I'm not saying this as a point of condemnation, but I'm just saying that it's just like, in the world you have lawlessness, but then in the church oftentimes you have the burden of the perversion of law. But Christ said there's a third way. It's the fulfillment of it through the transformation of your heart. And so you've got religious people who become arrogant and say, huh, I don't sin like that. But then you have sinners who become confident in their own ability to live their own life. And it's the power of positive thinking. It's motivational speaking. And it's, if I can just go to another conference and read another book and all of that, to God is foolishness. But there's another kind of foolishness. It's the foolishness of the cross. It's the foolishness that says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden and are burdened. Did you know that that scripture is not talking about your 40 hour work week? Did you guys know that? When, when, when it said, come to me, all of you who are burdened, he wasn't talking about burdened by how hard you work as a carpenter or how hard that you work as a stay-at-home mom or how hard you work at, in the business world and your commute. He wasn't saying burdened by your commute. He was saying by the law of Moses. Every single one of you who are paralyzed 
with insecurity by the 613 laws that you know that you can't fulfill every single day of your existence, or for all of those who have grown in their arrogance because you got good at 73 of those laws, but then someone else is bad at the ones that you got good at. For all of you who are burdened by that weight, come to me and I will give you rest. And that's foolishness. It would have been so radical to say something like that, that the Jews would kill somebody who talked like that. And in fact, they did. And so can I submit to you that the most scandalous sermon that you heard in 2020, and I'm speaking to pastors, preachers, prophets of God, evangelists, apostles, worship leaders, entrepreneurs, those who gave $2,000 in the offering and those who gave $2. I'm talking to every single one of us today. The message of the cross declares, it's the foolishness of surrender that says, because I submit and surrender, I gain access to complete and total freedom. Freedom to do what, Pastor Mike? Freedom to say no to sin. Freedom to say no, but then freedom to say yes to commands to do things that require a boldness that you don't have in and of yourself. And then your confidence, and I waited the whole sermon to say the title of this message becomes Godfidence. <laughs> and you know why I'm calling it Godfidence? Because guess what? You wanna know the secret? I can't pastor this church. That's liberating. I can't be a good pastor. Guess what? You wanna know the secret? I can't be a good dad. Do you hear that, Eric? I can't be a good dad. I don't have that power. You wanna know another secret? I can't be good enough to be a husband to my wife. I can't do it. And, and we live under the weight of reading this as Christians saying, I can't do that, so I'll hide in a broadcast. I can't do that, so I won't show up. I can't, and guess what? I agree with you, you can't. But that's the mystery of surrender is that it is no longer I, but Christ in me. And so when someone says, wow, Pastor Mike, you are such a good husband. I wish I had a marriage like you. You know what I said? You may not be able to have a marriage like me, but you can have a savior like me. And the Savior that I have inside of me declares greater he that it is in me than he that is in the world. If God before me, who can be against me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so my confidence gets translated and transferred into Godfidence. And all I've ever done in my gospel journey is I've actually increased in my confidence in Christ. For therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, the condemnation occurs when you choose to step outside of that covering. For therefore, there is no condemnation in Christ. So you know what you have to do? Stay in Christ. Because inside of this space, there is no condemnation. Why? Because you're hidden in Him. Outside of him is the accuser of the brother and his name's Satan. And he will always try to get you to sound like him. And that's why in church today, it's like we are so condemning to each other and enough is not good enough. I mean, how many pastors are quitting? How many worship leaders? How many people do you know who stopped going to church because they just said, I don't wanna be a part of something that condemning. And there's something wrong when you can get more support at a local bar than you can at a local church. There's something wrong 
But see, I'm just standing in this era declaring the same thing. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 says this. I love this. You have one occasion where an expert in the law stood up. So this guy's an expert. He's a professional, professional in Judaism. And he's like, hey, Jesus, I'm gonna stump you. I'm gonna stump you. And this is what he says, teacher. And even when he said teacher, he kind of said it with like that condescending tone I can imagine. Hey, teacher, savior, I got something to ask you. What must I do to inherit life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, watch this, love the Lord your God with all your heart. You want the advanced class? You want the depth of scripture? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Let's just stop there. What would it look like if you woke up every day and said the, the only thing that I'm gonna concern myself with today is to love the Lord my God with my whole heart, to love Him with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my mind. I mean, what if men, men, what if we went to bed exhausted trying to love the Lord every day? Like what if that was the exhaustion of our life with all of our strength? Because guess what? If you're, if, if you're like, I'm gonna try to love my children with all my strength, guess what? There's gonna be some days they don't appreciate it. <laughs> if it's like, I'm, I'm gonna see if you put this thing as central and then it says, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's just something about that that Jesus said causes this, this new radical revolutionary thing to be enacted inside your life. You actually fulfill the law. You actually fulfill the law. A new command I give you, John chapter 13, verse 34 says, love one another as I have loved you so that you must love one another. And then Paul wrote in Galatians chapter six, verse two, carry each other's burdens and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You know what I begin to see in this church? Our worship team carrying each other's burdens and not dismissing each other because they sin differently than us or haven't met this standard for perfection that the 21st century legalistic church that's partnering with the doctrine of demons has caused a worship team to have to live up under. No, you know what I actually see them doing? Carrying each other's burdens. I, it's even gotten to the point where we have created such a community of care and burden bear, bearing. I've been screenshotting comments on our social media content and sending it to our pastoral team and saying they are ministering to each other in our church before we ever make the phone call, which is a release of a burden for a pastor to be something that's not even prescribed in scripture for me to be. There's nowhere in scripture where I'm supposed to be your everything, but together we have everything when we become a burden bearer. And the one gift of this pandemic as we close this year out is that I believe that we fulfill the law of Christ when we bear each other's burdens. Jesus fully loved God in a world where all these religious people were trying to convince you that because you weren't perfect in all your actions, you didn't fulfill it. And he fully loved others that while he was being crucified, he was saying, forgive them, they know not what they do. And you know what? All lives matter, black lives matter. Do you know what blue lives matter taught us? It should have taught us how to love like Jesus. It should have taught us how to bear each other's burdens to fulfill the law. 
Come on, it shouldn't have produced self-righteousness. It shouldn't have elevated us intellectually and morally and said, hey, because I understand politics in the way that you dummies don't understand it, I'm better than you. It should have actually produced the heart of Christ inside of all believers that said, this situation should be teaching me how to love you better. Do you know what a pandemic taught us? Do you know what a furlough and a job loss and a drop in your income should have taught you? How to fulfill the law through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that says, because he lives inside of me, I can still give cheerfully. Not because I have to, but because the gospel declares that I am empowered to give. Jesus demonstrated this this whole year, if I look back at every single episode that we encountered, it should have been this thing. See, the law was something on the outside that was unobtainable, but the law of Christ becomes the gospel where it's transcribed and inscribed and engrafted into our heart so that they say, that generation of Christians that went through the pandemic loves like no other group that came before them. They love God greater because of the trials that they went through and the pain that they suffered and they increase. I mean, how many of you watching have had a radical turnaround and life change as a result of saying, God, I'm coming to you. I need to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. I need to be a part of what you're saying. And it's the same thing for me. It's just like, I have dramatically increased. I went from preaching one day a week to preaching six days a week because of the pandemic, not despite it. I went from praying a good amount to praying without ceasing because of these situations we've been in. And that God didn't allow these things to destroy us. God allowed these things so that we can put the gospel on display. How many of you are receiving something from this? But I got good news and this is the last thing. All throughout scripture, the number seven shows up over and over and over again. It starts in the Genesis account Seven shows up over and over again, but in the Genesis account is where it starts. And what happens is you have six days and from beginning to end, there's this process. But then on the seventh day, there's rest and there's raining. There's rest and there's raining. And the cross invites us into this seventh day covenant of resting and reigning with Christ. Resting, resting in the fact that I can be everything he called me to be, even if it doesn't measure up by 21st century standards. Resting and reigning and ruling with him because he's transformed our heart. I wanna pray for you. That's why I believe this is one of the most powerful messages that you can ever hear is the true gospel. The gospel that declares I can say no when I'm supposed to say no, not because I have the power to do it, but because the resurrection power flows through my veins. I have power to say yes when I'm supposed to say yes and to move and to step into that direction by faith, to give and to live and to speak and to commune with other believers in a way that I don't have power to do it apart from the resurrection power of Christ. And that destroys legalism it destroys the demonic strongholds and the principalities that are trying to convince you that you don't look the right way, you don't talk the right way, you don't sound the right way. Come on, it destroys all of that. 
and it simply invites you into rest. It simply invites you into reigning and ruling. It simply invites you into the next season. 2021, mark my words, is a designation of time by God to bring you into fullness. Let's pray together. Right now, I want you to just close your eyes and remove all distractions. God knew you were going to go through a global pandemic. God knew before you were born. And in his mercy, his grace, he allowed you to walk every single day through it. And, and, and it's crazy, but I believe, I'm just gonna go a little bit deeper. I believe that this is a time of repentance to close out this year. And I, I want you to hear me. Repentance is not the same as confession. Confession is you got me. And as a parent, when I find my kids doing something they shouldn't do, it's not because I'm cruel. It's not even because I really wanna punish them. It's because I want them to flourish. And so confession is like, oh, dad, you got me, you caught me. But repentance is saying, I'm never gonna do that thing again. And I believe that we are supposed to come out of this season into the next season and say, God, the political conditions of this year should have put the gospel on display through my life. The furloughs, the loss of finances, economic downturn, the chaos should have actually caused the gospel to erupt through my life. And a power that is put on display that proves it's not me. And I'm just going to turn right now and I'm gonna walk 180 degrees in the other direction. Maybe some of you need to finish out this year by hitting up people that you damaged with your words and just say you're sorry and repent. Because Jesus said, you wanna fulfill the law? Love each other, bear each other's burdens. You wanna fulfill the law? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and you will, but I'll empower you to do it. So I wanna just take the next couple moments and just as your pastor, publicly repent. And, I, and you can borrow my words, there's power through repentance that breaks the works and the power of the enemy in our life and breaks carnality, breaks flesh, because there's so much of our wounded self that wants to be prideful and arrogant in the things we know. We know the right way. We know how it should have been done. We know what the president should do. We know what this person should do. We know what the pastor should do. And see what happens is the more you get into that arrogance, you open up this portal to hell. But then there's a door that you close when you say, God, we're gonna love each other, bear each other's burdens, and I want true Godfidence not confidence in the ways and the wisdom of man, but confidence in the ways and wisdom of God. So let's repent. Father, it starts with the head. I'm sorry for what I made it. I'm sorry, Father, in the times where I've thought that I was right and the times that I thought that my way was the best. I'm sorry, God, for what we've made this, for the accusations and the condemnations I'm sorry, Lord, we repent. Lord, we turn from our ways as a church. Come on, everybody watching online right now. We've been so quick to wanna to change our husband, change our wives, change the politicians, change, we wanna change other people. God, before this year is out, it starts with us. Lord, we wanna receive the true and living gospel, the spirit that, that cries out, Abba, Father. God, we wanna be those people. 
Father, that they, that they say, there's no other explanation, there's no other way. God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Lord, we turn, we turn, God, in every way. Lord, and we just face our face towards you now. And we say we wanna come into 2021, not legalistic and full of the religions and traditions of man, but not lawless and in rebellion, but we wanna be fully and wholly submitted to you, God, in your way. And God, we surrender to your way and we give ourselves to you, God, and we pour out our hearts like never before. And God say, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you. Well, hey, thank you so much for sticking around to the very end. Did you know that if you download the V1 Church mobile app, you can get sermon notes, you can actually get plugged into connect groups where you can sign up all from the convenience of your phone. All you've got to do is go to your app store, type in V1 Church, V as in Victor, then the number one church, and you can download it. As a matter of fact, not only can you do all those things and find exclusive content, but you can also give. And I just want to give a special shout out to all those who give. Many of you are signed up for reoccurring giving like my wife and I. Uh, Many of you give one-time gifts as the Holy Spirit's leading you. But listen, I need you to know that you are providing for the needs of people all around the world because we believe in radical generosity. And also you're helping the gospel get around the world, literally. So thank you for being generous. I'll see you in the V1 Church app and I'll see you online. And I'll see you next week. Thank you.